Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, whenever you're ready, baby, we're on the clock. Oh, we're we going? <clears throat> All right. Well, once again, Keith, here we are. Hello, you poor devils. Was that? What is that? Hello, you poor devils. Well, I mean, was that a quote from something? You kind of did a voice. That's an expression. That's my normal voice. That's my expression voice. You make that? I've never. I've heard made that a lot of changes this year. I don't know if you've noticed. Well, I mean, I guess we haven't recorded a show in a couple of weeks, yeah, so it's, it's been an expansive amount of time, and so a lot of things have changed. My voice has changed. I have hair where there wasn't hair before. I think I'm getting shorter. I think my muscles are actually shrinking. It's very cool. Uh, is that is that cool? Yeah, why not? I hope to be roughly eight inches tall by the time I'm in my seventies. Now that would be cool. I would. I, I would. Uh, I would be down with that. Would, would you um, use that to your advantage in terms of like? Would you sneak into places and steal bricks of gold? I think if the internet is any indication, I think if I was that size, I would be celebrated and achieve a level of celebrity. And I think people would just let me in to places for free or invite me. Speaking of running over someone's feet with a tiny car, you were in some legal hot water recently that uh, prevented us from doing the show. <laughs> what? I wasn't actually in legal hot water. I had to get out of judging other people who were in legal hot water. So... I wasn't. We weren't able to record this show. A couple. The show, the Trashy Podcast, the move. The show about movies. It's been give. six years, and you I, still I don't can't. Know what, I have no idea what this show is about. Still can't get it right. It's the it's the show where we give underrated gems a second look. We we go. Hold on a second. <laughs> Is that the toilet flushing? Yeah, it's the toilet. Sorry. I need to be hydrated. Francis, poop outside like normal people. Um, it's the it's the it's this the show, a movie show. It's a podcast. It's the show with hot wings and even hotter questions. Yes, it's the it's a movie <laughs> podcast where we dig through the trash. We saw Con Air and you know what that means. Now it's time for how to- the, the show get recorded <laughs> uh we give these movies we take these movies these underrated gems and we give them a second look that's the show and we we couldn't record the show a couple weeks ago because i had to get out of jury duty have you ever um been summoned to jury duty or served on a jury or any yeah of that i get stuff? those notices every couple of years and uh, it takes me about 30 seconds to wiggle my way out so i am curious and excited to hear how you were nearly took a week of your life to escape well, jury duty. it wasn't so much that so well so that's you get them every couple of years huh yes every couple of years this is only the second one i've ever received and the first one i had gotten um right after i grad like like i got it like a week after i graduated high school so it was in between uh, high school and college i did not have a job so i had literally no way of getting out of it and let me tell you something. When I went down to the, that that uh, that place, I never got pulled on a jury pool or anything. I just went into the waiting room and hung out there for, you know, four or five days. 
And let me tell you, like, do not ever commit a crime or get accused of a crime that you did not commit because you all will be fucked. Because the only people who are there are people, a handful of people like me, who was just like, oh, I can't get out for whatever reason. People who weren't smart enough to get out of jury duty or people who actively want to put someone behind bars. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on a jury and I'm going to get send this guy to the chair. That's the only type of people there. So watch out for that. Okay, but then this time, so this is the first time in like 20 years that I've gotten a summons. Basically, what all that happened was is I, I you know, I had my employer write me a, a thing to get out of it. But then they still sent me the thing afterwards it said like you got to appear on this day and here's your badge and blah 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 and then I was like well fuck and I was I spent several hours that day trying to get to the bottom of it and trying to talk to somebody and getting shuffled around and basically what it turns out is they don't send you they don't tell you if you've been excused anymore they stopped doing that like sometime in the past year or two and they still send you the the thing telling you when to appear and then you have to go to a separate website that on your the the website that you go to to check your status, just in general of like where you're supposed to appear, doesn't tell you if you've been excused, but it shows you directions on how to check it. But that's on a separate website that there's no link to. So then it just took a while to like get everything sorted out, and then finally I got to some page where you just type in your badge number and hit enter, and it says in big red letters you are excused from jury duty. Is this specifically for Pierce County? Or is yes. this a state thing? Okay. Maybe I think this for, is Pierce County. I think King County has their shit figured out because Oh it, no, no. I literally get an email and then click a link and then oh, I'm not going to tell you my secret trick that I do, but uh, a couple more seconds and then I've ducked jury duty for a, a couple more years at least. Oh no, it's yeah, it's way more complicated here. Like so to get excused, whatever reason, like I say in my case work related I have to go online and fill out this whole questionnaire. I have to get a letter from my employer. And then uh, on the questionnaire, I have to, I have to choose that I'm, I, can't, I can't get there because of work obligations. And then I have to mail a physical letter in separate from the questionnaire application or pro, pro, uh, survey. You can't add it as an attachment. You have to mail it in physically to a separate office. That's super and then, weird. Yeah, and then like I said, then you just have to wait. And then like I said, they sent me all this stuff that was like, okay, here's where you're supposed. Here's the courtroom you're supposed to be at. Here's your badge. And I was like, you know, blah 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 blah. And I was like, well, fuck this. I guess this didn't work. But no, they just then I come to find out they just send you all that stuff even if you've been excused and don't tell you you've been excused. Probably hoping that you just show up anyway. Yeah. So that's why I couldn't record a couple of weeks ago, and here we are to talk about a movie we watched three weeks ago, so I'm sure it'll be fresh in our minds. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it feels great you... to be back. Yeah. How I have you love been, talking, talking about movies on the talking show. Always a good time. I love movies. I watched a couple of stupid movie trailers last night uh-huh. while I was... Uh, you know, browsing through the streaming service. That's my favorite part of streaming services is just watching the associated trailers. And yeah. I realized that I think I might like trailers more than I like full length movies mm-hmm. because those, those nostalgia feelings and those warm and fuzzies, 
it's such a a massive like overwhelming wave of that whenever i watch movie trailers and even for movies that i've never heard of or never seen but like the way they are structured and the music and the voiceover and you get all the best bits it's really something i enjoy that too and i also you know i enjoy is like if particularly in the, like the more specific streaming services where it's like the genre related streaming services like shutter where it's all horror or you know something like that I like going, sometimes I like going through and just adding things to my queue based on the poster and reading the synopsis more than I would care about even watching the movie. Well, that actually upsets me because there are way too many talented working artists right. adding really high quality, awesome artwork to the fucking dirt worst movies. And at oh, least yeah. in the eighties, when the it was the the sort of movie cover heyday, mm -hmm. you might be getting artwork that was way better than the movie. But for the most part, it would deliver on some kind of a visual. Like there would be some kind of a makeup effect or a puppet right. or a creature, right? Or some I'm more, visual I'm more, effect. I am actually talking more about like older movies I've never heard of. Like I have uh, recently subscribed to uh, Arrow Videos streaming service, and Ooh. I'll go through there. And I'll have like a bunch of like weird like uh, Japanese horror movies from the eighties or seventies I've never oh, yeah. heard of, you know. And I'm like, oh, what's this? And I'll just like read about them. And to me, that's almost as much fun or more fun sometimes than watching them. It's like I don't know if you did this when you were a kid, but like when I would get like a Ninja Turtles action figure, after I opened it, I would save the the, the back of the package because it had like a you know like little thumbnails. Oh yeah, show the, you the other figures and vehicles right? and, and stuff would, you could get. And I would just stare at that for hours, you know, because I knew I wouldn't get all these toys. I'd be like, "Oh, I want that one. I want that one." I oh yeah, you were you could one. never be satisfied with what you had. You were like, "I don't want just Raphael and Donatello. I want all these other guys too. I want the Triceratops with the gun." Right. I would and the giraffe with the basketball hoop jammed over its head. I I would stare <laughs> at that more often than I would play with the actual action figures. I remember one year like for my birthday or Christmas, my parents just gave me the back of one of those of like either like a Ninja Turtles or, you know, Marvel or DC action figures type of thing. And they just gave me the back of it framed in a frame that I hung up on the wall. No, that, that's you're making. You're telling I've, tales out of school. 100%. 100%. <laughs> it that's was amazing. pretty dope. I mean, I yeah. still wish that I had some. But there is like a huge market for collectors of just uh, what they call those are called blister packs, uh -huh. blister packs or clamshells in some yeah. cases, but blister packs, right? Because there's a clear membrane over the figure in the packaging, like a blister. And then when you pop it, all the good stuff comes tumbling out. Sometimes I think that I want to become one of those people on a action figure podcast. And then I realize that, no, I just want to talk about it and reminisce and yeah. express my feelings and ideas about action figures like maybe once every couple of years and that's about it if i, I was, had to talk to about them all the time as a grown man i would probably punch myself in the brain when i oh yeah when i was a uh, uh, last november i was went to target to and the, to the cvs pharmacy to get my covid booster and they like make you hang around for like 20 minutes to make sure you don't like go into anaphylactic shock 
Um, and they're like, oh, you don't have to stay in the pharmacy. Just stay in the store. And if you start to feel funny, come back. And I was like, okay. So I'm walking around and I just walk into the toy aisle and I'm like looking at these, like they have these like reproductions of, um, he-Man action figures that look like the ones from the eighties. And it's like some like 50 year old dude is like, Oh, what you going to buy? And I was like, uh, nothing. And he just starts talking to me at length about like, you see, and they made the fine detail here. This is actually completely accurate to the uh, version that was released in 1987. But if you check over here on the left earlobe, the color green that is used is slightly different than the original packaging. And that is because they don't, they stopped manufacturing that color in 1992 so what they had to do is they had to use a mix of the color from moss man's face and from uh war machine's belt and to combine those you get the closest uh duplication but it's slightly different and i'm just like uh-huh uh-huh you know how i know that's made up because huh. because he didn't say earlobe that's that's an elliot expression <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> i'm all about them earlobes okay did he say earlobe? Was it was it specific? Were those the specific details? No, I'm telling the story. I'm capturing the essence of what happened. It's a dramatic recreation, right? I don't actually know if he was talking about an earlobe or a belt <laughs> buckle or a cod piece. I don't know. You know, I'm just saying like this is spiritually what transpired between me and this man uh, last November in Target. Well, speaking of action figures, we're here today to talk about a couple of figures of action. That's correct. By the name of Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah, we're rounding out our uh, martial arts, like impromptu, unofficial martial arts uh, uh, episode run. This yeah, is our martial be... arts meander, I'd like yeah, to call it. Yeah, that's a good one. I like yeah. that. Michelle Yeoh, she just uh, did a pretty big, probably one of the biggest movies of her career. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you seen that yet, Keith? I haven't. It's playing at a movie theater about four blocks from here, and I have not gone to see it yet. You know, I really give give it give it a watch. It's it's great. It lives up to the hype. Um, I've been going to the movies a lot again recently. You know, and uh, pretty much every movie I have seen recently in the theater has been two and a half to three hours long. So I've had to like set out a, like half of my day to watch them, but They've all been great, and yeah, you've actually uh, been nominated for a BAFTA award for your outstanding excellence in in movie theater attendance. That's correct. Yeah, um, I saw that. I saw The Northman, great. I saw the new Batman, which boy oh boy, I loved it. I know we talked about uh, we did that. We remember if you remember Keith, you know, a while back we did uh, the the we ranked the different Batman actors, not so much the movies, right? Yep. And uh, we talked about maybe after the Batman comes out, we gotta we gotta do another one. Have you watched the Batman yet? No, I haven't. Well, it's on HBO. It is on HBO. It. I can watch it you anytime. Really I just have to carve out about seven and a half hours of free time in order to uh, watch the astonishing origin of of how Batman got gets his car or yes uh, the the mysterious tragedy of how he loses his parents, which no one has ever heard about before in, in well, story or movie form. Thankfully, not a lot of that stuff is in this one. All right, well, if you, you just let me rant and stop hitting me with spoilers, pal. Thanks this so much. This is a spoiler. It's That's from the beginning, the beginning of the movie. It's that's like, not a spoiler. That's a fact. 
Yeah, it's from the very onset. He's like, uh, he's like, this is my second year as Batman. All that stuff that would be normally be in the first movie is not in this one. Well, that's great. Um, I don't want to talk about guys dressed as bats. I want to talk about girls with guns and feet. I mean, yeah, but did you what? know hmm. what? What's the name of the movie we're talking about today? We're watching a movie called Yes, Madam, aka Star- Police Assassins. Police Assassins 2 or something. Yeah, that's right. Which I don't, I try to look up. I don't even think there's a Police Assassins 1, which is funny. You know, like a lot of these movies have remarketed under different titles and whatnot. And sometimes they're sequels to movies that never even existed. Or they're a sequel to a movie, but they're not actually a sequel. They just had that name slapped on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is like, so like we just, her, her possibly her, one of her biggest movies of her career just came out. And this is pretty much her first movie yeah or at least her first like major like where she's not just like a like a you know uh in the movie for a minute or two as a side character like where she's the star yeah starring role a vehicle if you will Mm -hmm. there are vehicles in this movie too there's cars scooters motorcycles vans trucks you name it yeah balconies stairwells glass panes there's a lot of glass panes oh there's a lot of, we'll get, i'm gonna get into some glass later on because whew. michelle the- yo i don't know if you know this but she has had an incredible film career absolutely she started out in in her early life she was always very good looking she was a beauty queen mm-hmm. i think she was in the miss universe pageant at some point but she was also very into dance and ballet. Yes. And so that was kind of her, she she ran off to Hong Kong to learn dance and go to school and all that. And through some set of circumstances, she was sort of plucked from that and dropped into action movies. Yeah, well, I was watching an interview with her recently and she was talking about how... Wait, wait, um, which was it? For a magazine, was it like Entertainment Weekly or like? Uh, Probably, I, I think I watched yeah. the same interview. <laughs> I watched a bunch, like right before and right after. Uh, real real um, quick, though. Uh, yeah, my favorite part of all of the Michelle Yeoh interviews and the the mm-hmm. fallout from it is learning two things: one, Jackie Chan doesn't like women very much, and two, mm-hmm. he is afraid of Michelle Yeoh. I would be as well. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love hearing that story over and over again. Um, yeah, I would be terrified. I would not want to be on her bad side. Uh, but yeah, she was a, one of her first movies was a martial arts movie, but she was not, she was not doing any martial arts. No, uh, she, she had to learn on the fly. And, it, yeah, and, and, and listening to her talk about how martial arts training and choreography is is so closely related to dance. Like her body mm-hmm. was ready for it, right? It yes, was not exactly. an that's, alien thing to her. That's what she was saying that like the movie, whatever the movie she was in, I can't recall. Samuel Hung was a producer on it. And he like, she approached him saying like, Hey, I want to do this stuff. I'm a dancer. I can, I can learn this stuff. And he's like, well, okay, I gave her a shot. And then she did like really quickly. And then was in a couple other little things where she had some bit parts. And then, she got to do this movie, which is her first starring role, and she is she knocks it out of the park. And she went on after this to star in movies like, oh, I don't know, Memoirs of a Geisha, 
uh, Kung Fu Panda, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Crazy Rich Asians. How about uh, Tomorrow Never Dies? Was she, did she qualify as a Bond girl or was she just in a Bond movie? I've never seen that one. So like I have seen that. Uh, I, I'm not oh, a big no. James Bond fan. No, she's not. What? Because that was the one with Terry Hatcher. Yeah, but Terry Hatcher gets like killed very early in the movie. She wasn't the Bond girl. She was like the like the first like the throwaway Bond girl. Like at the end of the movie, I'm pretty sure her and Pierce Brosnan do like her and Michelle Yeoh. They they do it. I think at the end of the movie. Um, but it was like a, I think it was one of the first times when they were like the, this Bond girl is going to do more than just be pretty. You know, like she's going to. Uh, she was also a spy and, you know, kicked butt and stuff. What do you think of Yes, Madam? Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about here that have very little to do with the movie because this movie is awesome. And yes. the, the fight choreography is fucking unbelievable. The stunts are out of this world. The action is breathtaking. And the movie's pretty funny, too. It's got, like, a goofy-ass sense of humor. Uh, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, give it a watch. What I'm more fascinated with is apparently the historical significance of this movie is that it is the first entry in the girls with guns subgenre. Have you ever heard of the girls with guns subgenre? Yes, but I mean, it's like, you know, that's I have, but it's also like across cultures. Like I've heard about it in like Hong Kong cinema. And then there's like what that, that dude who made all those movies in America, uh, like hard ticket to Hawaii and you know that often gets called the girls with guns subgenre too even though it's its own thing and yeah I jumped into yeah. that whatever you fucking call that subgenre like the bimbo when bimbos attack yeah subgenre cuz they all of those movies are on Tubi Tubi yeah, is yeah. the greatest video store of the streaming era <laughs> right people are finally coming around to it and talking about mm-hmm. that more but holy shit, like they have everything, every piece of garbage that was ever produced. And I watched and a actually, few of those. They, they have a broad like thing where it's like all the like the weird, like kind of like, like, like you just said, video store, you go into Blockbuster and they have all the new stuff and whatever. And then you just like, what the fuck is this? You know, just off in the, the back shelf somewhere. I think with Tubi's like coming into its own because when it was a new service, it the interface of it was terrible it was impossible to use oh and it would crash and you couldn't couldn't watch like you it wouldn't uh let you leave off like so you watched a a movie halfway through and you went back to watch it again uh you would have to start it over right yeah um so now it actually looks like and even like the the logo of it just looked like something that your mom made on a pixel art on you know windows 95 and now it actually looks like a professional thing, and the the navigation is much better than some even bigger apps. You know, uh, like HBO Max has a terrible navigation system, but um, yeah, it's really coming into its own. I was not familiar with the girls with guns sub genre, and it made me kind of do a double take and then start looking into what movies qualify here because I expected like Hong Kong movies, movies I had never heard of. Like just a cacophony of of films that were doing something new and different and had not hit the mainstream. But when I started looking at these lists of what qualifies as a girls with guns movie, I was a little confused. Because some of these lists 
like the IMDb list is pretty good. It's got a lot of movies I've never heard of. She Shoots Straight from 1990. Angel Enforcers, Royal Warriors, Dynamite Fighters. Uh, yes, Madam is number two. Number one on the list, however, is Miss 45. That is, that doesn't seem, that's a totally different type of movie. Yeah, in, in terms of tone and style, yeah, I would say it's not not the vibe. But well, then also, there's also we... like Tank Girl. What? Resident Evil. There's another aliens and Terminator Two are on this list. Like, like what? Who's making? The, but who's making this list? Is this like is some, the IMDb list, right? But those are all like uh, IMDb is like you know anyone can make their own list on there. Well, let's see. Yeah, I guess this is just some random user. But uh, this list, like I said, like the top ten, top fifteen, makes a lot of sense to me. But then mm-hmm. yeah, some of these later entries are just like total filler like nonsense point of no return Uh uh-huh that one made sense to me then there's like uh, some pam greer movies like foxy brown and coffee which uh, okay maybe i i could see where maybe somebody saw saw those movies and were like oh hey we're gonna do something like that but we're gonna we're gonna uh, i think i think when you talk about this genre and you know i i think it's specifically they have to be very proficient with the firearms and there has to be a lot of shooting, you know, it's, you can't be like, Oh, I have a gun and I shot somebody, but it's this type of, it's like a John Woo movie, but instead of Chow Young fat, you know, those were always, those movies were always starring a bunch of dudes. It's that type, same type of movie with a predominant female cast. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's women doing what they would normally do, except this time they're, they're shooting up the entire place and kicking people through windows. Correct. Which, uh, I'm, I'm all about it, man. 100%. And this movie, like right out the gates, it's, it really sets, uh, the one one we're talking about today, yes, madam, it sets up everything we're to expect from this movie, like within three minutes. Goofy com, there's goofy comedy, there's intense action, there's like a car chase, there's a kung fu fight, there's a gun shootout, it's awesome. We've talked about this before, but it's so funny to watch these movies as adults and with a different level of awareness because I was just a, a kid watching action movies and sci-fi movies or whatever. I never noticed how many movies are about cops. Yeah. Because essentially cops and military people or ex-military or whatever, they're the only ones who really sort of believably have carte blanche to run around cities and, and jungles and wherever shooting guns and blowing things up without, you know, going to jail immediately. Right. And so you, you, it became the focus of nearly every movie. Like, oh, who's our character? Well, it's not a, a dog catcher. It's got to be a cop, right? Otherwise yeah. it doesn't, you know, how can we set this up so that they can be just like shooting up, you know, buildings and cities and all this kind of thing. Well, that's also one of the things that's kind of fun in a lot of uh, the martial arts movies from this era is, yeah, a lot of them, like this one or Police Story or whatever, do involve cops. But then also in a lot of them, there's just a bunch of characters that inexplicably are martial arts masters. Oh, yeah. Everybody. That that was one of my favorite things. And that's something I love about movies like Scott Pilgrim. And I I Mm -hmm. wish they would do more of this is just going around town 
and seemingly everyone is proficient in fighting. Right. Like, there is no one that is not formally trained in martial arts. So if you have I mean, a or, beef to settle, or yeah. if you get into some kind of altercation, people are immediately throwing kicks. Right. And it's like, or at least the people, if, if the plot requires it, they just know it type of thing. Like, Yeah, you like go into a restaurant and get into like a, a scuffle over a table and all of a sudden, like, it's like a, a fucking martial arts tournament. So, yeah, in that respect, I mean, like, that's why one of the things, it's sometimes, it's sometimes I watch these movies and it's a little annoying where it's like, couldn't they just say like why this guy knows martial arts? But it's also one of the things I love at the same time. No, because they'll Where, be in like a back yeah. kitchen and accidentally knock over some plates, and like the yeah. chubby cook will like grab a meat cleaver and start right, like twirling yeah. it and be like, "I'm yeah. gonna kill you." <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a, a pedicab Samahung's pedicab driver? I have not. So I've he seen plays, a couple of fights from it. Oh, it's fan- the fights are some of the best in of his. But at the end of the movie, like yeah, he's just a regular dude, like who just inexplicably is, like really good to the point that other people who know martial arts can't pound. I was like, wow, he's really good. And at the end of the movie, he has, yeah, he's not a cop or a military p- person. Like they're like, he defeats all the bad guys. And then like his girlfriend comes up, she's like, let's get out of here. And he's like, he's like, well, I've just killed a lot of people. Like I'm going to jail. And it's like one of the, fir- one of the few times in these, in one of these movies where they acknowledge it's just like, yeah, you just can't randomly go around like <laughs> kicking everyone to death and like just like and there will be no consequences. Then he looks at the camera and it's like a freeze frame and the credits roll. Pretty much. <laughs> then like an old guy walks in the room and he's like, "Ah, just blame it on me. I'm old. I don't have much much longer to live anyway." And then they start laughing and it's a freeze frame. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So I I ruined the ending of Pedicab Driver for you guys. Oh no. Anyway, but that's a different movie. In the first minute of Yes, Madam, we have some great uh, fun music. A pervert goes into a bookstore to do some flashing, and then Michelle Yao smashes his penis with a book. That instantly trans... And and then right after that, when she leaves there, because she was undercover trying to catch this pervert, a bank robbery happens, which turns into an awesome car chase, uh, mini car chase. Like, it's a car chase that takes place in only a couple blocks, but it's pretty cool. And shootout that ends with a Dirty Harry reference. Go on. Well, I was just saying, you know, it's like a, they do the uh, like the whole like a, like the you know the thing where the Dirty Harry was like, oh, how many shots have I fired? I don't know. Do you feel lucky? And they do that, and then she just blows his head off instead of it being a bluff. And I think like they they're using some music from the like the original Terminator in that in that scene too. This is a pretty violent movie. It's overall. a very violent movie. It's pretty gory. Yeah. Particularly for how funny it is, too. And then shortly after that, they used movie, uh, the, the music from the first Halloween. Oh, yeah. And when actually, like, it's not the main theme that they use. And out of context, it actually took me a second to, to realize what it was from. But I was, like, I was like, I know that music. It's from something. And then I was like, is it Escape from New York? And I was like, oh, no, no, it's Halloween. Yeah, so they didn't just haphazardly throw it in. They're like, oh, this stupid American music is going to uh, work for these dumb Yankees. I mean, there's actually that, I, some uh, some technique and well, I uh, think that, thought put I, into it. I think that that happened semi frequently. And I, th- you know, that happens with American movies too. Like, uh, someone will take the, the soundtrack from a spaghetti western and implant it here. But, like, I know in like spooky and the, the encounters of the spooky kind, the Sam Hung movie, 
in the Hong Kong release of that, they use music from The Shining, but in, then in the U.S. release from it, they do not use that music. Oh. And what does that, what lesson does that teach us? Always watch every version of a movie that you can. Yes. If it was distributed in Malaysia, watch the Malaysian version just to catch those kinds of fun Easter eggs. Because, you know, sometimes it might just be four seconds difference, you know, in t- running time, but those four seconds matter. Yeah. Get in there. Watch the entire yeah. thing in context. Our lives are ending one second at a time, and if you don't watch as many versions of the same movie as you can, like, what was it all for? What is the general plot of this movie, and does it matter? Your guess is as good as mine. So uh, I believe some there's micro- some the, some police, and there's some assassins, and they've got to stop the assassins. There's a there's some there's some microfilm from like uh, somebody from Scotland Yard, if I recall, has brought some microfilm to Hong Kong to bust some guys, and the assassins try to steal it, but then some petty crooks, the comic relief characters, accidentally get their hands on it, and it goes missing. And then Cynthia Rothrock comes from Scotland Yard to be part of the case and teams up with Michelle Yao to get to the bottom of things. My favorite thing about her being from Scotland Yard is they had her every scene. She's always munching on haggis. Yeah. Like they couldn't big bowls of haggis. They, they couldn't have just given her like a, some bagpipes or a kilt or something. They had to make her constantly eating a sheep's stomach. Gross. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. That's how you really get into the mindset of the character. I'm kidding. I You're kidding. am fascinated by the career and work and personality of Cynthia Rothrock, but I want to hear from you. Like, What was your first exposure to Cynthia Rothrock? You know, that's a great question. If any. Because I think she's somebody who, who I have been aware of. For a long time, and I know I have before I ever saw her in a movie of her own, I had seen numerous like little clips and things that were like you know a documentary about action movies, and they'd show a clip of her in a fight. Uh, she's someone who's I have not seen too many movies that she's actually been in, like where I've watched the entire movie, but I am always so impressed. Like when she kicks somebody. I believe they are dead in real life, you know, in I, like when I'm watching this movie, I'm assuming that every stunt person that she kicked or punched actually died. And there was a, they had to cover it up. The amount of force that is, I don't know, like there's there's a unique aspect to her fighting style and just the level of intensity that I don't, I mean, I've seen other people, who are equally as badass, uh, but there, there's something different about how she, how, how she fights in, in this. I mean, in this movie, and I don't know if you've ever seen Millionaire's Express, like she has a big fight with Sammo Hung, and it's the highlight of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the one where she has the headband and the suspenders, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah that's a good fight. Um, and I, this isn't a takeaway from Michelle Yeoh in this movie, because she's also amazing. But, you know, I mean, I think she's more popularly regarded as being awesome. And... There's just there's a, there's a visceral like thrill I get from watching uh, Cynthia Rothrock kick people, and actually, if there was one thing I could that I would change about this movie is I wish there was more of the two of them together, not just in you know the action scenes, but just in general because 
uh, Cynthia like shows up later on in the movie, which makes sense based on the plot, but they don't really develop a huge, uh, you know, like buddy relationship until like the very end. And I wish there was a couple more scenes of them like interacting with each other and like, you know, verbally sparring, you know, the kind, the kind of um, cement that relationship, not just because it would make more sense for the movie, but also just because I want more of them in this movie. Yeah, they're sort of working in parallel and then converge at the end. And it's when they do come together, it's unbelievable. But yeah, it is like you don't really get like the the buddy cop dynamic right. that you're really hoping for. And a lot of this movie focuses on the uh, the like the comic relief characters, which are like the three like bumbling thieves. Uh, and that's fine, you know, but at times it feels like Michelle and 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 uh, Cynthia like kind of fall to the wayside for for these for these moments of of comedy that like comic relief that often go on for larger chunks of the movie. Uh, like I said, I think that's fine that they have all those in there. I just wish they had like one or two extra scenes of our two leads together, you know, to kind of like balance it out. Yeah. But that is a pretty minor uh, criticism of this movie because one thing about this and a lot of, um, you know, the Hong Kong martial arts action movies is it's more about individual moments than the uh, cohesiveness and the, and, uh, and uh, continuity aren't as, aren't as important as just, did you get your laughs? Did you get your kicks? Did you get your thrills? You know? Yeah. We're getting to the next gag and to the next uh, action set piece, whatever that might look like. And right. that's, that's all that matters really. Yeah. And as long as you do that in a smooth way where it doesn't, you don't, you know, like there's not a tremendous amount of lulls, uh, I'm on in for it. Like some of these, you know, I watched uh, recently one skinny, skinny tiger, fatty dragon with Samo and Carl Mako. And it has a couple really good fights and a couple funny parts, but then there's a lot of just kind of like downtime in between where I'm yeah. just kind of like, you're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And some, co- there's some comedy that straight up just does not work as well. So it's like, there's large sections of that. And then you get to the final fight and it's awesome, but oh well, you know, where this is just kind of like, I was never bored. It just, everything just kept happening. Everything kept moving. The plot jumped around. Who cares? Who cares? I'd say the biggest drawback of this movie is the fact that it's not readily available. That's true. Yeah. It is only available to stream on Amazon. Yeah, that's where I watched it. You can't even rent it anywhere else. Oops. Like normally, uh, if it's only, if it's sort of Amazon exclusive, you might be able to rent it or purchase it on other platforms, and you cannot. So yeah, I tried to you, fl- Jeff Bezos. The one on Amazon is the Miramax release, which is a couple of minutes shorter than the official runtime. And this does seem like there's a scene missing from the end. Did you get that? Get that vibe? I, I of- honestly, I didn't. I was three sheets to the wind. Oh, a lot of these movies end abruptly. As we were talking earlier, like we were just talking about uh, Petty Cab Driver, where it's just like there's a gag and there's a freeze frame. You know, like that's just the end of the movie. You've killed the bad guy. That's it. A lot of them end abruptly. This one, I felt like there was really like something missing. Like it just, something got cut out. I think because of this, the Hong Kong style of movie making, most of these movies end abruptly because either 
they're just lucky that their crew and cast survived right. or uh, the opposite uh, no one survived and they just got to fucking film something to close out the movie and uh, get everybody to the hospital <laughs> one thing I love about this movie um, so you have this big final fight and the, they have the microfilm that the, that the bad guys want to like they want to destroy it so it covers up you know their tracks but in trying to cover destroy the microfilm they commit numerous crimes and murders in front of the police Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it kind of defeats the whole purpose, though, doesn't it? No, they're taking pride in their work. They've, they've got an un, unshakable will to succeed. I think that's admirable. Okay, you proved me wrong that's once again, I, Keith. That's what I admire about criminals. <laughs> I, I, I would do well in my own life to, uh, to follow suit. That's for sure. You know, one thing I was thinking about while watching this movie is kind of the whole crux of what our, our show is about, but more intensely than I have in, in other things. And that is, what is the criteria on which you judge a movie, right? Because we, we just talked about how sometimes the plot of this doesn't make any sense and it jumps around and, you know, there is some, some sometimes it feels like a scene is missing or like a relationship isn't established. And normally we would say those things are like flaws of a movie, but... Why? I is it does it should that always apply? And I don't think so. I mean, like, if you're concerned about a sense sensical plot, like say goodbye to David Lynch, you know, and that guy's regarded as a a master, you know, a lot of dumb, boring, and bad movies get away with just having good cinematography, or if they deal with a social, like an important social issue that's relevant for the time, they can get away with being kind of like poorly made. And this movie delivers on all the things it sets out to do. So I could see showing this to somebody and them complaining about all the things we just talked about, where it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense, or why is that character doing this, or where did this character even come from, who are they, I don't know, or like, what's happening with the plot. But it doesn't really matter, you know. For what this movie is and trying to be, which is an awesome action movie with weird tonal shifts and a goofy comedy one second to like gruesome bloody violent action the next it certainly succeeds at doing what it sets out to do yeah definitely i agree <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you were you're gonna be rolling for a while so i just no, went to, to the bathroom so i have oh, no idea God. what you said but oh perfect but you really knocked it like, out of the park it's on one of his tangents i got a good 20 30 minutes yep, i really had to pee and I didn't want to stop you and kill the momentum. So when when I get to editing this, it's going to be really interesting. Did you, did you actually get up and leave? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I was just mostly talking about how hairy your feet are. What? They're not that Sorry. hairy. When I was I a kid, you... it was more noticeable. Now as an adult, like it's it's a lot you less. Ke- you keep telling yourself that, bud. Unique. I can see it through your shoes. I used to be pretty self-conscious about it. What I'm self-conscious about now is... I have the like weird uh, ankle and lower shin hair that's like kind of grown spotty because of socks. Uh huh. Yeah. Which is weird. And then I saw, I but I did. I saw some other people who had a similar thing. I was like, oh, I never noticed that. And then I looked at my own legs, and I was like, holy shit, look at that. Yeah. 
So then I immediately went to Big Five and bought some like lower ankle socks. But maybe it's because of my pants. I don't know. Have you ever considered um, like shaving male pattern baldness into your own hair just to see what it would look like? No. I've thought about it doing it. But see, I think that is uh, not only is it a real roll of the dice uh, Mm -hmm. when you get into your late 30s. I think it's also kind of disrespectful and and not something to be trifled around with. Like people do that for comedy and think, haha, it's so funny. Right. I don't think it's funny. My main concern is like, what if you did it and then it just didn't just grow back? It never grows back. It never grew back. Yeah. You know? I did shave my head in my mid twenties though, because I'd I'd never done that in my entire life. And I was like, ooh, I was like th- thought I was pretty hot shit at that time. Mm-hmm. I was very confident. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what that's like at all anymore. But uh, <laughs> but I was like, I went to the I went to like a a supercuts or some bullshit, and I was like, ah, let's shave shave my head, pal. Let's uh, here's a picture of fucking I don't know. I think I showed a picture of Brad Pitt from Fight Club when he's uh, at the end when he's wearing like the fur coat. Why would you need shit? a picture to to uh? Show like a shaved head, like oh, that was one. just to like to trick myself into thinking that I was gonna like look like you know that was gonna be the end game, right? Plus, I was like, you know, I don't want it. I don't want to have like little spines sticking out anywhere. Like, I want it, I want it clean and even like this. I don't know, right? I don't know. So wait, was it was it completely to the bone shaved or was no, it like no, a no? Stubble? It okay. was just like a buzz, yeah, a buzz cut. I've had a, I've had that. I've never done completely like yeah. down to down to skin. It was cool for a little bit, but once it grew back, I was like, I probably won't do that again. Yeah, it did. Like there was a little bit of a like the first few weeks, I just kept touching my head, and I was like, Are you gonna grow at all? Like, mm-hmm. are we, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, it was just everywhere. All, yeah, then all it was the off to the races, and I was like, yeah. Cool, I'm gonna have long hair for the rest of my life. You're also like generally these days you get like what a haircut like once every like six months or something. Oh, if that. Yeah. Yeah, twice a year at the most. Mm-hmm. Which I probably should get it more often. I now see the benefit of frequent haircuts, even if they're insignificant. I used to make fun of people for that, like, oh, you're only getting a just like a little trim? Like that's so stupid. What a waste of money. But I So basically what you're saying is you had a whole blog devoted to me getting my hair cut like cut every two weeks and how how much of an idiot I, I was. Well, no, because you had sort of a gentlemanly haircut. I'm talking about like long hair. Like oh where yeah. you just get the ends trimmed off and stuff. But having those oh, that's important. fresh ends, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and it makes a big difference. Like in in making your hair look good. Like I just yeah. I failed to comprehend that. Well, I'm getting, I'm growing my hair out, but I still like. Oh, I've seen it. A, go go get a haircut every like two months just yeah. to like shape and whatnot. And speaking of haircuts, yes, Cynthia Rothrock and Michelle Yeoh both have badass haircuts in this movie. Yes, correct. And like, I've never seen I've never seen uh, Michelle Yeoh with hair this short before or after. Yeah, I don't think it was a a look that she hung on to, but man, with her outfit, like her jacket. Oh, or like they're like windbreaker at jackets. Holy shit! Yes. With the sleeves rolled up, and like every mm-hmm. time they they jump into like a fighting pose, like it's amazing. The final fight in this movie. I mean, there's lots of good little fights and stuff. The final fight in this movie is top tier, spectacular. Back to, back to what you said earlier about 
um, you know, like window panes and or whatever. The glass banister stunt where she does like the flip around the banister. Yeah, and then she's comes. like scorpion style, has her legs hooked around and sort of, yeah. Crashes face first through the glass to punch people. Oof. What does she do? She grabs their legs and pulls them through, right? And yes. then they fall out. And then she flips back. It's amazing. Yeah. Like the, the, really the stunt work in this, even though I would say like this is not one of the most like fist fight, you know, kicking fight heavy of the of martial arts movies out there because there's also a lot of like shootouts and, you know, other you know, yeah. like motorcycle chases and crap like that. Uh and I say crap like that, it's not a criticism, just it's just how you talk. That's how I talk. You just have a poor education and a yeah. shitty vocabulary and Correct. Sound like a I like how you use, you said I have a shitty vocabulary yeah. to criticize my you, use of the word crap. You don't talk good. <laughs> um but when it happens boy does it deliver oh yeah you know? cynthia rothrock gets the gets a good fucking piece of the pie because she's getting lots of cool like weapons to use like swords and it, she gets a spear and it gets the fucking tip broken off and then she's like guess what this is still a viable weapon and she's like twirling it and like jumping off the walls and whacking people in the face What's amazing about her, and this is like talking about like just like the way, she, like the force in which she does the kicks and punches and, and stuff. You know how I, this we've definitely talked about this before, and it's a common complaint. You know, you, when people are talking about like movies and whatnot, but like when we're talking about CGI care, like fully CGI characters, and like when someone like a CGI character jumps with in, a inhuman ability and they accelerate as going up. Whereas if with a jump, the fastest part should be the beginning. And then you should gradually start to slow down, you know, before peaking. She appears to do that thing that only CGI characters do, but for real, like when she jumps as she speeds up as she's going up through the air, as she does a kick in the air, her foot goes faster and faster. The more she spins around, which seems physically impossible yet. She does it. Yeah, she's no slouch, man. And she was part of her her martial arts uh, acumen, pedigree, if you will, is she was part of the Ernie Reyes Jr. fight team in -hmm. California. So she was surrounded by some of the best martial artists in the world, Ernie Reyes being someone who trained since being a small child. Wait, was was was, was she part of the junior or senior fight team? Because he would have been like... A little oh kid. yeah, you're right. No, it was yeah, it was his dad. His but dad, I think his yeah. dad was, uh, you know, as the the man who trained him, probably as adept as he was. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, I would have loved. I would have preferred it if it was an Ernie Reyes Jr. fight team where he's like eight years old. He's like, all right, Cynthia, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go over here and kick that guy, and then you bring me a lolly, and I'll be watching Ninja Turtles over here, and later I'll star in Ninja Turtles. That's the funny thing is he was probably there. Like, they were probably training alongside each other. Oh, sure, yeah. There's lots of really good interviews on YouTube uh, with her talking about that experience and how she broke into movies. And mm-hmm. and for this movie specifically, it literally was uh, the uh, producer of Golden Harvest or whatever was, like, in California, and they're like, hey, we need some, some people for a movie. Uh, who you got? Right. And they just did a demo, and... 
she got to do a, just a, you know, a basic fight demo and then some uh, weapons demonstrations. And they were like, that's it. Yeah. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool, like, that she was, like, she wasn't, um, her start wasn't from, like, the way a lot of these guys went to, like, they went to school specifically to be martial art performers and, you know, in theater or film. Yeah. More specifically that she was an actual, like, competitive martial artist who then got in movies, which I actually recently found out is the same uh, thing with Jet Li. Jet Li was a competitive martial artist, and he, uh... And I like a, I think he was I think he was an Olympic martial artist as well, and it was he didn't get in he he did not get into it with the initial intention of being a movie star. And look where he is now. Look where he is now, starring in such classic films as The One, The One, The Mummy Three, The Emperor's Tomb, the Mummy movie with no mummies in it, and Kiss of the Dragon. That one's not okay. Yeah, I actually really like that movie. I haven't seen it like since it came it's out. But I remember fucking awesome when he fights those twin white supremacist guys. Oh yeah. Oh my god, you talk about glass. Yeah, baby. Yeah, I remember that was like he had done a couple movies, like Romeo Must Die and American movies, and then they were really bad. And he was like, "Oh, here's a good American movie with Jelly in it." Yeah, man. Yes, Madam is sick. Michelle Yeoh yeah. is sick, and Cynthia Rothrock is sick, and I could watch movies like this on a loop without ever stopping. Like, if movies Correct. like this were just playing in the background, uh, that would mm-hmm. be great. And they can be. All you have to do is go to Wikipedia or IMDb and look up Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock and fucking pick some of their movies and watch them. If you're going to watch yes. uh, Cynthia Rothrock, I recommend the... Some of her earlier movies, like uh, her Hong Kong movies, uh, like you said, Millionaire Express is essential watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say probably there's a movie called Fight to Win, also known as Eyes of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. I know it as Eyes of the Dragon. Uh, that's a pretty good one. And I then haven't seen that one. City Cops. It's pretty that one's good. An Amer- that's an American one, right? Cops in the City. And uh, the China O'Brien movies and Lady Dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and Martial Law. I forgot about Martial Law. There's also a movie you might already know. If you already know Cynthia Rothrock from something, you might know her from Undefeatable. Undefeatable, which is a movie that is sort of has its own internet notoriety. It, it's famous for the this awful, awful fight scene between two white guys with mullets that look almost exactly the same. One of them is wearing like a lab coat. He looks like a scientist and he rips off his shirt and he's got like a super weird looking knife. And it's just the slowest, worst fight scene you've ever seen. And Cynthia Rothrock is in there too. There you go. Yeah. You, you would know it if you saw it. I'm sure I would. I can't picture like that the fight. I'm sure I've seen it, but I can't picture it at the at the moment. Um, yeah, this movie. There's not a ton of stuff to like get dive deep because it's just so easy and breezy. It and, is what it is, man. It's a fucking yeah. action movie. Yeah, it's just like it's not necessarily breaking new ground, but it is doing everything beautifully. Give it a shot. But only if you have Amazon, I guess. 
however you have an opportunity to watch it in whole or in pieces, do it because it's good. And I love it. And I love you. Now, do you love martial arts movies enough to continue this martial arts meander? I 100% would. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to run something by you real quick. I think we might pump the brakes on martial arts movies. Maybe we'll come back and we'll do like a tribute to Jet Li or Oh, sure. Uh maybe we'll we'll check out some Sammo Hung movies or maybe we'll do some John Woo movies like A Better Tomorrow or something like or that. Or maybe some of like, you know, maybe one of his like a uh, lesser, you know, something from earlier in his career like Hero Shed No Tears or yeah. End of Death, you know. Yep. Uh, so that might be cool. I think, though, in the interim, so I was watching Cursed Films, the uh-huh. the television series exploring the... The first or the second season? Second season. I got to watch that. I've only seen the first. You got to watch it because that's sort of what would spurn this idea uh, because uh, that show is exploring... Uh, movies that have sort of a obviously like a, a cursed vibe or have been plagued were plagued by problems during production or you know had tragedies befall the the cast or crew right just things like that and they've explored movies like twilight zone the movie poltergeist in this season there's two movies that they tackled that i was mesmerized by and these are not movies that I'm unfamiliar with, but it, it did really like get me going because these two episodes were really interesting and just like appealed to to my sensibilities. And those episodes were about Wes Craven's The Serpent and the Rainbow, which is a movie uh-huh. you notoriously hate. Correct. And the other was Cannibal Holocaust. Which I've never watched. I have also never watched, but it is a movie that has a reputation it yes. has sort of a lore behind it. It has an like a vibe about it. And it's, yeah. it's it's well known to horror fans, whether you've seen it or not. You've heard about it. You know about it. And so I was thinking it might be cool to tackle those movies because one of one of them you hate, but I bet you right. haven't seen it recently. It's definitely not the, the in the realm of hate. I just don't, I'm more just like don't like it and don't care and don't think it should have like, as much as it does. I don't think know, anyone just, thinks it's particularly great, but I, I, I just think it should be completely just forgotten. Is how I feel about it. Perfect. Let's fight about it. Cool. But then also the cannibal Holocaust deal was like, it really, and it got me thinking about the horror movies that are sort of considered essential viewing. Right. That I've never seen. Right. Like 50 years later, does it live up to the hype? Yeah. But like, I remember watching last house on the left after, you know, growing up, hearing about it and knowing about it and reading about it. And finally, I watched it as an adult rather than, mm-hmm. you know, a teenager or whatever. And it was an interesting viewing experience. And so I think that could that could be really interesting, like a first watch for us both. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a similar experience with uh, Last House on the Left where I was like, yeah, this notorious movie that I'd heard about, you know, since... I was a kid and didn't watch it till I was an adult. And then my reaction was who the hell cares? Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, watched it and I was like, uh, that was a complete waste of my time. Like, don't give a fuck. So yeah, let's do, let's do it. Let's yeah, do let's it. roll the dice and see if yeah. that's what happens here. <laughs> you know, there's another one we've been talking about doing for a while too. Um, and it just popped into my head. 
because you had uh, sent me a video about the star of the movie, and that's Brain Scan. Yeah, I could watch Brain Scan. I've never seen it in its entirety, so that'd be a fresh watch for me. Fuck, let's do it. Yeah. Maybe we, 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 uh, should we, since the other one's kind of a bigger episode, why don't we do Brain Scan, and then after that... Do like you know to, to give us a little more time to prepare. Do the the Cannibal Holocaust. I think we should actually do rather than just a Cannibal Holocaust, maybe an, an entire episode devoted to cursed films. Well, I thought that's what you were saying was kind of like do the juxtaposition of uh, Serpent in the Rainbow and uh, Cannibal Holocaust in the same episode. Yeah, and then maybe a couple other uh, of the stories too. Yeah, so that that will give us some time to like watch watch them and. Kind of prepare for that. So I yeah. bust out. Hi guys, welcome to the part that we normally talk about after we're done recording the episode, where we just uh, talk about boring logistics of how we're going to try and fit in a movie into our schedules. No, I think this is cool though because we have a lot of a lot of ideas, and I think it'll be uh, pretty exciting. And if people want to go ahead and subscribe to Shutter, uh, go to shutter.com/slash. Nothing related to us because we're not sponsored, but go, go to Shutter and watch Cursed Films. It's a very entertaining show. Some of the episodes are a little fall pretty flat, but most of them are very compelling and fascinating and will challenge the very notion of entertainment and what what amount of horror and tragedy you are willing to endure to be entertained. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty great show. I really enjoyed the first season. I thought every every episode of the first season I was on board with, so I'm I'm looking forward to checking out the second season. I thought they were going to be out of gas by the second season and be reaching, and in a couple episodes they are, but the good episodes thus far this season are top tier. Well, right on. I guess that, that sums up this episode, and you guys got a sneak peek of the future episodes coming up, so... And there's no iconic quotes from Yes Madam. So, until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.